0: Like when Spock had to fight Kirk on Star Trek. Best friends forced to do battle. Did <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this isn't funny. dead, you stop it? the name is
0: spark if we don't battle to the death they will kill us
1: both this isn't star trek program complete enter when ready like corridor crew i haven't watched like their last four videos yeah i I feel like i also like kind of wait and then binge oh like three or four of their stuff yeah i don't know
2: well, it's the same thing. I really like these guys. They're they're called Red Leader Media, and like uh, I I consume their stuff like like it's water. But then I went back and I was like, man, I haven't heard from these guys, and they 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 have like they'll have breaks, and I'll and I went and looked, and I was just like, oh, I've I've missed so much, <laughs> like that's like like I'm so far behind, and it's literally because, um. You know, they had like a week off or two weeks off of not posting. And I, you know, I clicked on, would you like to see this lawyer, uh, you know, own this cop on the side of the road? And you're like, yeah, I'd love to see that. And then that's all I get now. <laughs> Perfect. Risk. Risk is our business.
1: that away oh My God. What was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits.
0: Six. Rock and roll! Six. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it.
2: Join our Federation of Planets and reach for the stars. Those were the days. All right, welcome back to another Re Trek review. We are a podcast where one of us has seen all of Star Trek, where the other one. Has only seen Star Trek Enterprise, first season of Strange New Worlds, and the first season of Star Trek The Original Series. So this week we're going to get into the season two premiere of Star Trek The Original Series, Amok Time. We are watching these episodes in production order, so for us we have skipped a few episodes. But that's okay. Because we're getting right to the meat of it. Just like NBC thought this would be a great season 2 premiere, I also think that this is a great episode to start in, and skipping all of those other episodes. Amok Time! Originally aired September 15th, 1967. It was written by Theodore Sturgeon, and it's his pretty much his only thing he wrote for the show. So pretty funny. Because he Weird. basically the grandfather of crafting backstory for Vulcans. And he he Great. pretty much only I think he wrote this one and another episode called Shore Leave. <laughs> and that's like a goofy episode. So that pretty funny. Really funny. Yeah. And it was directed by Joseph Pevney. And Joseph Pevney, we've heard his name before. He's returning from Arena, The Devil in the Dark, The City on the Edge of Forever. So We've heard his name a few times. So, before we get into the teaser, here's the synopsis. Spock undergoes the Vulcan mating ceremony. So, that's the synopsis. So, let's ask Caleb what did he think of the episode?
1: I honestly really did enjoy this episode. Like, a lot.
2: Good. Good. I was hoping so, yeah.
1: Coming from, like, Enterprise and Strange New World, it's like it's really cool to kind of see where that kind of stuff comes from. Yeah. Like the original, like, you know, the original, uh, it, it is. It's, it's really funny. I have this, like my brain, I have to like tell my brain, (laughs)
0: like
1: what's going on because sometimes rewatching like the original series, I'm like, Oh man, like they even were doing that. And this, (laughs) and I was like, no, they did this like first, like everything oh, comes yeah from this, you know.
2: But it's sometimes good. my I, brain
1: is like I always go to like, you know, the modern stuff.
2: But that's good because that's like that's that's a that's a you have like a, a unique perspective then because you're like, Oh, that's cool that they're continuing this idea from either Strange New Worlds or Enterprise, yeah. but then you're doing the other thing where you're like, Well, this is what Strange New Worlds and Enterprise were copying. But it's a, it's a, it's a. I don't know. It's a. Not many people have that type of perspective on Star Trek. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool that you have that like ability where you can like see this as like a continuation of of content, but also appreciate it for it being the original introduction of things.
1: It it honestly makes me appreciate Strange New Worlds a lot more. Yeah, like knowing that they they're not just making a modern. Star Trek, just because of you know, yeah, because they just can't, right? It really seems like they really know the source material and they're really trying to make it, yeah, blend, you know,
2: yeah. They definitely just don't make things up to make things up, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, even to the point, like, too, like, like, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, yeah, like to Pring looks pretty similar, you know, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, she, you know, she turns out to be a real. Wow. Be in the future, but... <laughs> yeah. But you There's... can kind of see that because because in the strange new world is always like you know Spock's always questioning his humanity, right? And she is too, you know. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that like now in the future she doesn't really she wants like a pure Vulcan.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, to the... pow. To pow, yeah. Wow, well, there's a lot. There's a
2: like. There's going to be when we get to that scene where they're all there. I'm going to yeah. unload a lot of stuff on you.
1: Lots good. of stuff on you. But yeah, no, I did. I I cool. really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I only laughed out loud once. So hmm.
2: Hmm.
1: that's a hmm. good episode. I wonder if it's the one scene that I
2: think maybe we'll see. I'm going to do a new thing. We're going to do a shout-out to our <laughs> latest <laughs> subscribers. most recent is C. Sakamatsu, and the other one is Ed008UE.
1: Nice, nice. Subscribing.
2: Yeah. You
1: guys it. rule.
2: <laughs> so, here is the teaser. Dr. McCoy notices that Spock is growing restless and has stopped eating and decides to discuss this with Captain Kirk in the corridor outside Spock's quarters. As the two men discuss this, they come upon Spock's quarters in time to see the first officer throwing Nurse Chapel out of his quarters and physically flinging the Vulcan pulmeek soup she especially prepared for him after her, furiously shouting that if he'd want anything from her, he'd have asked for it. After this outburst, he demands that Captain Kirk grant him a leave of absence on his home planet, Vulcan.
1: It's very funny that we see just how good of a doctor McCoy is. Yeah. That he he picked up on this. Yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, he's like, Captain, I don't, I think something might be wrong with Spock. He, he did and do Kirk's like, like a... what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, immediately, like, okay, yeah, obviously, uh, something's wrong with
2: Spock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny thing, too, was what made me laugh in that scene is like, he makes this in the beginning part when he's just talking to him, to Kirk about it. It's like you're saying, he's very like, oh, you know, like something's not right with this guy. And he's like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's just Spock being Spock. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And like, as time goes on, like moments of them walking down the corridor, and you see Chapel go into the room and all this stuff. It's like then McCoy decides that's the moment to be like, Well, he said if I didn't stop prying into yeah. his life, he basically, he, my neck. he told me he was going <laughs> to kill me
1: if I ran any of my tests on him. I was like, Maybe okay, start with that. Maybe, start maybe lead with that. that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe lead with hey, so something's going on with Spock. He's like very angry and he's showing a lot of emotions. You know, the, yeah. the two things that he does never do.
2: <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right.
1: I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's like a bug or something. Maybe he's got like a flu. I, I don't know.
2: The thing I, I thought too was cool in this, in this scene after he throws the soup out and he's really mean to Chapel. When he comes mm-hmm. out and sees the captain, and the captain is like, "What's going on?" and he just is very much like, "I have asked you a question. Will you say yes or no?" Like, yeah. I like that he also was kind of a jerk to Kirk too. Like, it wasn't... yeah, yeah, just because like yeah, we've I talked like about that. in the past, like they have a really good dynamic with each other. He so seeing sense. them
1: kind of be he's at odds is kind of an interesting. Yeah, he's interesting. basically like, "I've re- I've requested time off." It's <laughs> so like, yeah, you've never taken time off in the past twenty years. He's like, yeah. Well, then I, then I think I've accumulated enough time. He's like, yeah, <laughs> but I want you to tell me why. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: And we get to see some Vulcan plumcake soup.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of stuff in this episode that's referenced. That I, it's like the first time it's been referenced. Yeah. In Star Trek history. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always fascinating to me.
2: Yeah. I was wondering when you, when like this scene happens, I was wondering to myself, I was like, I wonder if when Caleb, when Chapel has it on the tray and like McCoy looks at it and he's like, oh, excellent. Well, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, I wonder if Caleb is thinking about Sova and Andrew and
1: like the whole yep.
2: nonsense about it being bland. And it's like, you know.
1: <laughs> it looked like when he threw it against the wall, it was, it looked like it had more. In it than I was expecting. like borscht. It kind of looked like, yeah. <laughs> I was expecting it to be just water. Yeah. Just like a bone broth, you know? Yeah. What I picture it is.
2: Captain Kirk is baffled by Spock's behavior, but orders the Enterprise to Vulcan. However, a priority message forces him to change course to Altair 6 in order to be on time for the planetary president's inauguration ceremony, which is to take place a week earlier than planned. When Kirk later asks Ensign Chekhov how late they would be if they diverted oh, yeah. to Vulcan, the puzzled navigator reveals that they are already on course for Vulcan, as ordered by Commander Spock. When questioned by Kirk in a turbo lift, Spock is visibly confused and says he does not remember doing this, though he admits that if Chekhov says he did, he must have. Kirk orders Spock to sickbay, where McCoy examines him and finds that he is suffering from extreme stresses resembling those produced by high levels of adrenaline in humans. McCoy informs Kirk that Spock will die from this condition within eight days at most if he is not taken
1: to Vulcan. So finally seeing Chekhov.
2: Yeah, yeah, there he is. It's a funny thing that, like, he is now the...
1: OG person, but he's not in the first season at all. Like, weird, right? Yeah, yeah, in, almost to the point where, like, in the first season, I kind of forgot that, like, he was even a thing. Yeah,
2: so we get check off. Um, we get him talk to, he's now referred to as Commander Spock, so he's
1: been, oh, yeah, he's been uh that.
2: promoted.
1: I guess that makes more sense why they would listen to him because. Because I I was like, why would navigation even like change course based on Spock, not the captain? So I guess that makes a little bit more sense.
2: And they kind of reference it um, in a couple of the other episodes in season one where they refer to him as like first officer. So now it's like he is like with commander rank and being called first officer a lot in this episode. Yeah, um, it's like obviously he's it's you know he has he's basically the second hand of the com- of the captain, so whatever he yep. says
1: you would do too. Yep, that's true. Yeah, so that's that's cool. I, I guess I didn't pick up on that. His yeah. new rank. That was pretty cool. I had kind of forgotten about the whole episode with like to Paul, where it's kind of the same thing where she goes oh. like oh, crazy. Yeah. Uh huh. On the ship, but they but they make it a little more overt, right? Yeah, it's supposed. To be, yeah, well, because it's the Paul, so it's got to be more, you know. Yeah, over the top. Yeah, <laughs> but I have kind of forgotten about that whole thing. So I so yeah. at this point in the episode, I still really didn't pick up on like what What's was happening wrong with Spock. Yeah, uh, and I kind of got a little like, not like mad, but kind of like okay, so they're. They're doing another storyline where Spock takes control of the Enterprise. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, especially yeah. after like the menagerie, it's like, okay, we're doing this again. But, but now he didn't at even least he, do it. Right.
2: He at least permits, like, I didn't. <laughs> and he's like, I, if I did it, okay. But like, I don't remember
1: doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My favorite part is coming up to where he's like, um, the captain told me to check into sick bay. I am in sick bay. Oh, and now yeah. I'm going to my quarters. <laughs> <laughs> and then McCoy gets them too, right? He yeah. Said, well, I was ordered to do this. Yeah. So and then he and then he gets on the table and he's like, yeah, for all the good it'll do both of us. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little tiny thing that happens, but
2: I was like, man, do I like it? I really liked mm. it. And it's so stupid and so n- not worthy. But I was like, yeah. Excellent. Kirk is in the room. He's talking to Spock. He's trying to, like you were talking about, he's trying to understand, like why Spock is acting this way, why he's requesting leave. He's even trying to be like a friend to him. He's like, "Well, somebody's
1: sick in your family, and you're like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? Yeah, right. Yeah, just and tell me. Right, just tell me why you need to go home, and and I'll make it. I'll make like, it work, man. Right, right. Like, just give me a reason." Like, I'm not prying into your business. I ca- I physically care about you.
2: <laughs> and then, yeah. And then he's like, we well, he won't tell him. So then he's like, well, whatever. He's like, Altair 6 has amazing recreation spaces. So you'll be fine. Because yeah, we don't have time a... to go
1: to Vulcan.
2: Right? We don't yeah. have time to go to Vulcan. He's like, well, just we're going to go to this place and you'll be fine. And he's like, no, I have to go to Vulcan. And he's just like, well, why? Anyway, so the point of this is the when he leaves, Kirk leaves the room and the door opens. You can still see the plo soup mess on the wall on, on the, the wall. outside. Oh, cool. And I was like, oh, man. I really appreciated that because so many shows, especially older shows, like they do stuff yeah. like that. And then immediately, like, you know, it's a different take. It's a different day. It's a different, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, shouldn't that be there? Like, shouldn't this be in the background or shouldn't this person be doing this or what? whatever? So when that, yeah, that right. all does it's just like the door opens, you see it, Kirk walks out, and the door closes. It is it is like a three-second scene. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, sweet. I was just like, I don't know, I really... I yeah, was that very is cool. Chuffed.
1: I was very chuffed. <laughs> it must be like that day they filmed a lot because... Yeah. The reason that, like that continuity stuff always happens is like, they do all of that kind of stuff first. Yeah. And then they say, all right, now let's like get together today and we'll do like all like the talking like scenes. Yeah. So they could have filmed like him talking in the room on a whole completely separate day. Well, especially to film like outside of the, uh, yeah.
2: Of his quarters.
1: Yeah. what's well, like- the thing too is a lot of this he- episode took place in Spock's room. Yeah. So they just set up his room like for the day, you know, for the whole which was nice.
2: So I I guess yeah. we could talk talk about it now because like soon we're going to get down to the Vulcan planet. I was going to ask you like what did you what do you think about the show now having gone to Ticonderoga. Yeah.
1: Like I stuff? you know, I was just going to bring that up is uh Okay. It was very fun cuz like this, this is the first episode that I we've watched now since we've yeah. been. Yeah. And uh it's really cool. Like it makes it, it makes it a lot better watching the show in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. It almost feels like in you know like that's not like the official set or anything. Right, right, right. But even like watching this episode like in the very beginning, so it starts off where uh, Kirk comes up that ladder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like I stood right by that ladder. Like I took a picture of that right, ladder. Right. I was like obviously it's not the real, you know, wasn't. Right. It? But it is, you know, it's as close a key, as you can get to it. Right. Ex- yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, that's so cool.
2: And what's crazy is to think is it's a raised thing. I know the tour guy didn't get into it, but like those yeah. things, those ladders, the one that you took, the one that he climbs up, and there's another one in the corridor close yeah. to where Spock's room is. I think you took a picture of that one too, but it's like, it's a little different. It's not like that yeah. triangle step. Tower thing,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: but it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything, right? It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. lead to like a hatch or like a, mm-hmm. a, a a thing like a disappearing thing in the floor. So literally, what William Shatner had to do was get down yeah. off the like off the stage, crouch, and yeah. then when they were like action, <laughs> he had to start then like acting like he was climbing up from a lower level. And, it, See, and I this, I love that. And the same thing with like, Sulu is, has the fencing thing. Yeah. He climbs up the one in the corridor. If he had to keep going and they had to hold on that scene, he just has to hide. Yeah. Because there's nowhere to go. He literally just has to, like, climb high enough that part of the wall, like, and covers tuck his, his legs body. Up. Right, and tuck his legs up. And he just has to hold until they say cut. So, it's, it's, oh, it's, 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 it's a really, yeah, it's just really interesting, like, how that stuff
1: I love it. works. Because
2: in my like, mind, you would think that it would just, there's a hatch or something, or just, I don't know, it goes to, like, top of the stage or something.
1: I I love how practical the set is. Yes. where To the point where, like, that hallway is the only hallway they have yeah. on the set. Like, I, I love that. So, even yeah. in this episode, when they're constantly walking in and out into Spock's room, and yeah. there's people walking back and forth like down this this hallway. Right. Like, obviously in the ship, like that goes to a lot of other stuff. But like I know now that like that goes to that triangle door. Right, right, that's right. It. That's the end of this. the end of the road. <laughs> right. So you literally have like just people standing around the but, corner. Yeah. And they're just walking. <laughs> yeah, there's that scene it's really where
2: good. I think I think it's this this scene, yeah. Where Kirk is like Okay, Spot, go to the sick bay. And he's like, yeah, "I order you to sick bay." And he comes off, and people walk down. He comes out of the turbo lift. He walks, and people are coming down the yeah. corridor. But you know from being on the set that, like, he just walked off of a thing. The turbo lift may or may not be there. Mm-hmm. He walked off. But to him, this way is the actual medical lab. But he's he walks this way right cuz yeah, like right. the way the hallways were he walks forward and then but he stops and turns and looks down the corridor yeah. and you you know from the set that leads to the transporter room where we came yeah. in right, and you right, see right. a lady a woman or a guy walk down that that thing and you know what's happening they either went into the transporter room or they're literally just standing there looking at Leonard being yeah. right around the corner like, right and they're just around the corner it's it's yeah it's really cool That's pretty cool. And you also can tell, too, that, like, it's the same room that they dressed up at the set tour for Kirk. It's his thing, but all they did was, instead of having Kirk's bed on this side with all the stuff, it's like Spock's desk is on the bed side, and all Spock's, like, Vulcan stuff is on the desk side that Kirk has, you know?
1: They must have filmed... The couple spot, uh, parts where Kirk is in his quarters. Yeah. Like, they must have filmed that first. Yeah. And then put all the Spock stuff and filmed all of Spock in his yeah. Spock's room. Yeah. Because, yeah, because he's got like that. That was the other cool thing is like seeing Spock's room. I'm very familiar with like, you know, to Paul's room and she's got like all yeah. her meditation and stuff. And but, like, we haven't seen Spock's like quarters. Not really. And now no. you finally see he's got that big like incense burning thing and. Yeah. Yeah, it was just cool.
2: He has like that big yeah. statue of like a lion that has like colored, multicolored lights or yeah. something on it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty,
1: it's pretty red. But yeah, I really, I appreciate the episode more now being on the set. Yeah, I thought maybe. Even to there. the point where like, you know, they, they're later on when they get in the turbo, the turbo lift. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're just standing there. Right, right. Or you know, they're just standing in this like little <laughs> square thing. Yeah. And then they open the doors and go through in the bridge, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't do and it doesn't go anywhere. To doesn't, no, no, it's got that light, that light that flashes by. <laughs>
2: you're right, you're
1: right. But that makes it look like it's moving.
2: You know, it does. It just it simply does. It's a, it's silly, but it makes it look like it's it's working. Yeah, I know. And the funny thing is, is in next generation, you know, a lot of the stuff that they do here, they just continue over. They just make it look. Like, fancier technology, like advanced yeah. technology. It's the same thing. It's just lights and panels lighting up and doing things. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, this is amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool.
2: So I think before moving on to the next little chunk here, the only other thing to mention is that you probably noticed, it too, that, like, going from season one to this episode, um, Shatner's stereotypical Shatner-ness is like yeah. hyper accelerated.
1: It this came episode. through a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I get why? it. Like it
2: <laughs> why? Must he die? And in I, eight days. <laughs> why? Yeah. And then and then he says something, and he's like, You You're saying that, Doctor, or whatever. And yeah, he just <laughs> oh man. And it I did like, it
1: kind of it kind of peaked it kind of peeked its little head through there, you know? Yeah. It's like, Oh, interesting. I'm just glad we got to see his nipples at the end. That's all I care about.
2: I knew. So there's so much in this that you get it all. And I was <laughs> like, he, he's either really going to like this episode or hate this episode. It's one or the other.
0: Ah,
1: my nipples are exposed. <laughs> On my think. wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved it if the episode, you know, where if Kirk wins, right, and he's like, "Ah, yeah, I think I will. I think I will marry to bring." <laughs> <laughs> I think I will.
2: The um, other thing I was going to say too that I liked a lot, and I was I was thinking about uh, Strange New Worlds specifically with Ortega's. Mm-hmm. You look at how they wrote Chekhov, and like the scenes with him and Sulu, and it's yeah. like they're actually good. oh yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it's like he's annoyed. Like Chekhov is annoyed. He thinks it's dumb what's happening. Like that's he is saying it and he is acting like it. But he at no point does he ever
1: like give it to the captain or, or spy. Yeah. That's the difference. You're right. Yeah. You don't talk to the captain. You know it's funny though is even at the end there, mm-hmm. he kind of took it upon himself to like change course again.
2: Yeah, he plots it. He doesn't commit to it, but he does plot that. right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, as soon as they called like high command, you know, Federation command, they're like, "Well, I better plot of course back to Vulcan." <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess from what I've read, I guess he was added for like younger viewers. That's kind of why he looks like a beetle, kind of like his haircut. No, he's wearing a wig, but I think he funny. was supposed to be like a, like a young person,
1: like drawer and kind of thing. Nice, nice. That's okay,
2: funny. yeah. Upon hearing this news, Kirk confronts Spock in his quarters. As Kirk walks in, Spock is looking at a picture of a Vulcan girl and turns the screen off immediately. Spock says he cannot tell the captain the cause of his problem because it is a deeply personal affair that no outworlder may know except those who have been involved. Kirk eventually persuades Spock to reveal that his problem is Vulcan biology, which Kirk correctly infers to mean Vulcan reproduction. Spock explains to Kirk that, like the giant eel birds on Regulus V, or the salmon of Earth, Vulcans must also periodically return home to mate. Vulcans do not typically discuss this mating cycle even among themselves, instead cloaking it in archaic ritual as it is shameful for such a logical race to be overcome by urges so powerful as to strip them of their intellect and veneer of civilization. Spock has reached his time, the Ponfar and if it and if he doesn't return to Vulcan immediately to mate, he will die. Kirk jeopardizes his career by disobeying a direct order to the contrary from Admiral Komak of Starfleet, and proceeds with all possible speed to Vulcan. So the interesting thing is, um, I, um, I'd i have to go and look at it, and it might take me a minute, but it is a thing going forward that they do the thing that I think even T'Pol talks about, and they talk about it in some other Star Trek episodes. It's this thing where they do this, I forget if it's seven years or eight years, but they do this thing where it's like every seven years, Vulcans go through the Ponfar if they haven't had sex yeah so, right. but when you watch this episode, they don't the stuff that like Star Trek goes on to describe what the what Pon Far is, like it's not quite the same of what they introduce here going forward. It's really interesting i I, I was expecting him to say a lot more stuff, and he doesn't, and I was like, well, that must be stuff that they do in like later shows,
1: yeah. Yeah, this this more or less just seemed like like an instinctual like migration thing. Yeah, you know, like you you can tell like he can't really control his emotions because you know it's like that drive is is stronger. Even like the to Paul stuff, and like like we said, it's more over the top because it's to Paul.
2: Yeah. So, this, this is what I found. I, this is where it is. It actually comes from season three of the original series. He's, Spock is talking to another character, and the character says, You only take a mate once every seven years. And Spock says, The seven year cycle is biologically inherent in all Vulcans. At that time, the mating drive outweighs all of their motivations. And the character says, And is there nothing that can disturb that cycle, Mr. Spock? And he says, Extreme feminine beauty is always disturbing, madam. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they introduced this idea of like every seven years, this thing happens. Yeah. And I, and I read this thing that DC Fontana, who is like a writer and producer of the show, she said that it was like, well, all she meant was, let's see if I can find it. She words it really, really well. And I was like, that makes so much more sense than just like, so <laughs> it says, one way to interpret Ponfar is that Balkans only have sex. Once every seven years. However, uh, the original series writer and continuity story editor, DC Fontana, which was a lady, uh, yeah. once explained that Pondfire is not the only time the Vulcans feel romantic attraction, sexual desire, or engage in sexual activity. She says Vulcans mate normally anytime they want to. However, every seven years, you do the ritual, the ceremony, the whole thing. The biological urge, you must, but any other time is an is any other emotion humanoid emotion. When you're in love, when you want to, you you know when the urge is there, you do it. This every seven years business was taken too literally by too many people who don't stop and understand. We didn't mean wow. it, we didn't mean it only every seven years. I mean, every seven years would be a little bad, and it would not explain the Vulcans of many different ages, which are not seven years apart. Wow,
1: yeah, that's very true.
2: <clears throat> so the way I you know, so now you think about that, because Star Trek goes on to be make it seem like every seven years they this is how they mate, and it's like no, it's more of a thing of you can have children at any point. It's just if at every seven years you don't have a mate, like you you have to, otherwise they'll die.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like a the. For the species to prosper, yeah,
2: and I Those also like kind of get the yeah, I also get the impression too that like if you make it any point, you just it's like you just keep pushing back the seven year window, right? Like I don't Things feel like, like it. Yeah, that's how I would interpret it. So it makes you think yeah. that okay, you we watch in Strange New Worlds, clearly Spock and to are together in a couple episodes. It's very obvious. So now you think about this; it's been you know it's like well that show is only uh i think at this point 6 years or so i think it's like f- 6 years from this episode <laughs> so oh. it's like you know i don't know it's an interesting it's an interesting conundrum but at the same time
1: yeah
2: that show has been problematic with other things
1: and yeah, yeah, but at least that that show has showed that like Spock and bring like do like get together.
2: Yeah, and it's, I honestly think it's fantastic to have that character be more present in the show because it's his, like, it's essentially his fiance, right? Because he says later, yeah. it's not really a marriage or a betrothal, it's like an in between. So it's like, well, she's engaged to Spock, right? And I like that she's in Strange New Worlds like a lot. I think it's, wonderful that she's in the show they do so much with her
1: yeah i like i like that too
2: you know because it's somebody from spock's family that like they don't really pay that much attention to like spock is is probably the most popular character in star trek and they don't like you know it's like use more he's got a lot of stuff going on like he has a lot of backstory and interesting things but they don't like use it So, but the only thing is, the only caveat that comes with that is the two things that I don't, I didn't like, which just is, you know, it's more evidence that Strange New Worlds is timeline adjacent, was um, earlier when Chapel comes in and he, that, or no, it's later. Mm -hmm.
1: Is it later? Yeah, I think it's later. Yeah. He he actually asks for stuff, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, 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 we're literally going to talk about it in a minute, but. It's um, she. The way they interact with each other in that room, he's like, "Your face is wet." It's like, um, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's like, it's like you don't get this feeling that they've already had a relationship and that they probably slept together because that's what Stranger Worlds kind of makes you yeah. believe, and, and all. This and stuff. she's
1: very, she's just as surprised as like the captain and everybody that he has a wife and right, she has had like very close like right <laughs> communication with to and
2: yeah just like so that doesn't doesn't really add up. And the other thing that I was like okay so now if you use strange new worlds as the reference for to like if you were watching it like this and we, you're just watching it and we're not trying to do this back and forth business where you're like we're not uh, doing this uh, timeline adjacent thing. It yeah. kind of it kind of makes Spock like a pervert or like a weird like pedophile. Yeah, he's wasn't she a wasn't she a girl? She's like a tiny girl. Yeah. Okay. But but okay. But if you okay, so we're gonna do it like this, so we don't get down this weird rabbit hole. Well, she, he, she orig-
1: he, she's betrothed to him as
2: children exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So from his perspective of the original series, that's
1: like the last time he saw her.
2: Correct. And he's like looking at her and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to see her again. I wonder what she looks like, you know, whatever. And that was kind of weird. And Spock isn't weird. Like they're not making a weird thing. He's not like he's not romantically involved with a child. We know that that's the show. The show was not trying to say that he just was looking at a picture of the woman that he's going to meet. And that's the only picture he has.
1: Yeah, I, I picked up on that when he started explaining, like, yeah, so we're we're patrolled when we're seven. We're basically right. like our parents choose. Right. And then I and went it, off to do, you know, other things. And it's fine. But now you put
2: strange new worlds in the mix. And now he's yeah. looking at his his yeah. fiance as like a child. And it's like that's kind of strange. Especially with like what's happening with him, like what he's yeah. going through. It's like maybe, yeah. don't do maybe don't do that. Don't do that, right? I don't know. It just was.
1: Yeah, I'm. I mean, the it's... only other thing you could kind of argue is like that was like he was just looking at old pictures, possibly, and that yeah, was like possibly. the last one when like Kirk came in. You know, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, don't know. yeah, I don't know either. It's it's not like I he do... was staring at that and like. I do like (laughs) oh Oh. I do
2: like though that the original the remaster made it better so the original image of what he's looking at is like a just a weird headshot of this little girl. It's like Uh a blue background with just her, so it just looks like he's it's just a picture of her. And so the remaster went and made it like she's in a Vulcan home, and it's a picture of her like in her home or something. Like
1: it made it look more like a home, like a family. Picture. I I would not have picked up on the fact that that was like modernized. Yeah, I could show you. I, they have a picture of it here. I'll show you what it looks
2: like. It looks like Very a freaking weird. Oh, okay, yeah, that's weird. It's just like a rando headshot, and then this is what this is what the remastered looks like. Like she's in a home. Like she's, oh. it's a picture of her like in a place, Very like funny. a normal picture. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. I get why they fixed it. Cause it just looks like he's looking at a picture of a child. And then it looks like, somebody took that other picture, like, you know, from behind a bush or something. <laughs> right.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Got
1: her. <laughs> yeah.
2: Nurse chapel visits Spock in his quarters to tell him, they are going to Vulcan. Spock notices she has cried and asks for plameek soup. Upon the yeah. arrival of, <laughs> of at Vulcan, Vulcan Space Central establishes contact. A beautiful Vulcan woman appears on the view screen, and she exchanges formal greetings with Spock. When asked by Lieutenant Uhura who she is, Spock states that she is to Pring, my wife. Much to the shock of Kirk McCoy and especially
1: Chapel. Yeah. Utteral gasped, My wife, my wife, <laughs> <laughs> very nice, yeah. very, very nice. Um, yes, so this was the part, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. This is the part where, like, I outwardly laugh. It's like, why, right? Why he walks up to her and he's like, Your face is wet. <laughs>
0: like, oh, I was like, Oh my
1: god. Oh, that's funny. we've
2: literally watched the episode where he cries, right? Cause he gets bothered by the naked time, right? I know, like I have to collect myself, the thing we talk about, right?
1: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah.
2: He's cried, like he understands what crying is.
1: Yeah, he it's, knows what he knows what emotions are. He just doesn't show them. It's so dis it's so
2: weird that they made him say that. Your face is what? Like Uh-huh. Like, dude, you're Spock. His... you're Spock, yeah, you're he... super intelligent. Like, what do you mean? I just think like literally the line could have just been like you're shedding tears or whatever, like you're crying. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah, or just anything for him to say like sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well he can't. That's emotions. Yeah, well, he has an excuse now.
2: And I did think it was really funny too. That they go up to the bridge and then on the view screen is to prank and it's like he's trying to be super private about all this stuff and he's like, really yeah, now it's in that the ever, bridge for everybody. Like everybody's looking at it. I was just like, mm-hmm. yeah. why wouldn't why wouldn't you go down to like the doctor's office or take it in your own quarters in your own like, corner? Yeah. And
1: everybody's it's like, like, oh my like, god, Spock, she's
2: so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just like I get it. They want that reaction from multiple members of the crew to be like, what? Spock has a wife? Because I get there would be no shock as a viewer of the 60s if it yeah. was just, it just cut to and Spock is in his quarters and Vulcan Space Central contacts and he's like, hello to praying and it's like, hello blah, 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 and he's like, yes, I will see you soon, and they end the conversation, and there's nobody in the room to be like, well, who's that, Spock? You know, and even if it was yeah, like, right. it's Kirk in the room, and Kirk's like, well, who's that? And he's like, that's my wife captain, and it's just Kirk being like, what? Like, you don't get this big this big reveal, and I get, like, why they did it, but, like, narratively, it doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, well.
2: Yeah. So, we're at the halfway point, so go down to the comment sections and tell us if your face is wet. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you know it. You know it. Okay.
2: Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to the surface of Vulcan, to the ancestral lands of Spock's family. This is their first time on Vulcan, and McCoy states he now understands the phrase hot as Vulcan. Spock explains to his companions that Vulcan children enter into arranged marriages during a ritual ceremony. Spock further clarifies that while he earlier called to bring his wife, this childhood bond does not have an exact correspondence with human pairing as it is less than a marriage, but more than a betrothal. He explains that a bonding ceremony was held when they were seven years old, where they touched and felt each other's thoughts, so when the time came, they both would be drawn to Kuna Khalifi due to the psychic bond. It is unclear if this bonding ceremony in childhood is a mind melding ceremony or if some other form of telepathy is used. Is it I think it's a Star Wars thing where they show like a big shot and then like little people are moving? I think it's in Star Wars, right? Like the old movies. Yeah, I think so. It's so that's what I was thinking of when they showed you know uh they showed them up on the like the arc, like the arch road, and you mm-hmm. see like these little black things like moving across the top. And then yeah. when they show the big stone circle. You see, like, little dots like, going into the stone circle and stuff like that. It was cool. Yeah, I like that. I also, like, super enjoyed that, like, in the background was, like, a city, and... Yeah. That was cool. it was cool. And I also liked... I forgot that Spock... Because, obviously, this is a super famous episode, and I forgot that Spock had said that this was, like, his... This isn't, like, where all Vulcans go for... The ceremony. This is, like, where Spock's family goes for the ceremony.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. I so when he says, like, yeah, when he says, ancestral lands of Spock's family, so this is, like, this is where all oh all of his family, like, his dad went here, his grandfather went here. This is, like, where they... This is where they go. His evil brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't talk about no, that. No. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty cool. Kuna Khalifi. So now you that is cool. Now you have the dream sequence from Strange New Worlds where he fights himself. This is yeah, like, right. This is like the setup
1: for that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I, I did. I really like this. Um I like seeing Vulcan in the original yeah, series. Right?
2: Yeah, I know. Super cool. I think the, cool. I think in the original series, it's just like a
1: giant red ball, and then now they make it look nice. Yeah. yeah. They,
2: add, they add, like, snow to the planet and stuff like that. Like, it's cool.
1: I saw that. That was kind of cool. I like the ship, like, exterior shots, like, the, the updated version.
2: Yeah. So you can th- always
1: tell they're updated.
2: Yeah. And it's the thing where I, like... It's the thing I complained about several podcasts ago, where it's, like... Klingons are cool. I have and I think they're cool and I think, you know, let's let's dip into that. And they show a lot of stuff with Klingons. But it's like if Spock is like the most it's like the Yoda problem. It's like mm-hmm. Spock and Yoda are probably arguably the most popular characters from each of those franchises. Yeah, and they're very and, similar. Yeah. But it's like you know almost nothing. They show very little about their people. And it's like to me, you would think you would you would really like like, how many times can I? I can only count probably on two hands how many times you see Vulcan, like on ground. Yeah. They don't go to Vulcan that much and they don't do a lot at Vulcan. And so, like, in Enterprise, I really appreciated it when she, like, brings Trip and you have the whole, like, family thing and trip is like fixing stuff at the oh, house. Yeah. And you it's very like, much get to
1: see like her family
2: home and right. And like the mom is like putting laundry up and like it's just there's just so much there. And I was like, this is amazing. Cause you don't get this.
1: Yeah. I did just, like that.
2: It's just a couple of these shots where it's like, hey, look, it's a giant red desert Mars looking planet and there it's hot. And then it's just like something arbitrary happens
1: and then they move on. Yeah, because they, you know, they're so advanced and intelligent and then their planet is like this giant magma <laughs> right rock, yeah rock <laughs> and it's like well if they're so smart why do they live on the giant like basically the surface of the sun. Yeah. And their infrastructure is very like old, like marble ruins and stuff. Right, like, that right. Doesn't, yeah. that doesn't fit. No. No.
2: That's why as much as I you know the two thousand and nine Star Trek movie with Chris Pine is like there's a lot of stuff in that movie that's like oh boy. But yeah, I, I like the fact that they show different parts of Vulcan on that. They show the really like advanced society where you know the yeah. kids are in those like divots where they're learning, like the computers are talking to them and they're like learning things. Oh. Yeah, right. And, and then they have like the, the council up with the big thing and nice, but then there's other scenes where they're in the desert where they're like in the mountains, you know, and all that stuff. It's like it's cool where I appreciate them showing a lot more of Vulcan in that
1: movie. Yeah, you can have both. It can be a desert, hot desert planet, but also make it have, like, metropolises of, you know, very modern, futuristic, like, technology because they are an advanced race, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And they should be kind of, like, a little more ahead of the curve, which is why, you know, because they're so cool and they're pretty cool, you know, they're intelligent. They're, like,
1: hyper-intelligent people. So they they've been doing space travel for like thousands of years. Right, right.
2: Yeah, which is why when we played the recent RPG thing, I made like you know, there's not really anything in Star Trek to say you don't really see the interior of Vulcan ships too much.
1: Not so too like much, I had
2: I had to like really, you know, stretch the imagination, but I wanted to be like, you know, let's show that Vulcans have like different cooler things, like and you know, like I don't know. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the only interior of like a Vulcan ships that you really see is like the bridge and right, right. Maybe engineering doesn't Paul go to like that. I,
2: I think honestly, the most you see of an interior of a Vulcan ship is the one where there's zombies. Yeah, that's true. That, but that's like, and it's all broken apart and like ripped in half, and parts of the ship are not together, and like it's not well lit. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that's like the most you get to see like how a ship, their ships function wow
1: <laughs> yeah that's
2: true <laughs> as Spock's friends Kirk and McCoy are invited to witness the mar- marriage ritual the Kunet Kalifi. the mit- mistress of ceremonies is tapau whom Kirk recognizes as the only person ever to turn down a seat in the Federation Council one of the most famous and respected Vulcans alive Trouble starts when T'Pring announces she would rather not marry Spock. T'Pring involves the Kali Fee, her right to have Spock fight for her. Spock retreats to the side of the platform, hunched over and speechless. Kirk tries to speak with him. T'Pau warns him off, explaining that he is deep in Black tao. T'Pring chooses Kirk as her champion over the strenuous objections of Stan. Another member of the wedding party who will not be silenced about his traditional rights until T'Pau commands, Kroika! Stan promptly apologizes, asks for forgiveness, and remains silent. Spock tries to protest to T'Pau, but in vain. So, a lot happens here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, so the cool thing is, um, the thing that I for- I forgot. When they bring her in on her thing, and she's like, you know, T'Pao is like kind of treated like the glorious empire emperor, of yeah. like or empress, I should say, of uh, Vulcan. It's she. She ends up revealing that like this is, like this is, this is like Vulcans at their core. Like this is like an ancient way of doing things. We don't consistently do this. We don't behave like yeah, this right. all the time. And I appreciated that. But here is the thing I'm going to unload on you. <laughs> I'll start with Stan, since that is the least interesting. So Good. Stan, the guy who talks, and he's all like upset there, and then she, has yeah, want, right.
1: So in stri-
2: yeah. So in Strange Bones doesn't New think he can take. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in Strange New Worlds, the episode where you you see the back of. Cybox head, yeah. With the serene squall, with Angel, and she takes over the ship, mm-hmm. and they have to cut between to bring on the on the uh, rehabilitation planet and stuff.
1: Oh yeah, there yeah. is a
2: guy with her, and she call- and it's Stan. She calls him Stan and so that's who it is. Okay, that's cool. So, he's a background character in that scene. He's just like an extra Vulcan that she's talking to, but he, yeah. he he's this guy. So, but you know right <laughs> yeah and once you said stan and if you're a person who's seen this episode you're like oh <laughs> oh it's Stan <laughs> that makes sense
1: that they like work together correct yeah
2: and here's the bigger drop to now I'm gonna have to stretch your mind a little bit yeah okay Enterprise
1: she's to Paul's great 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 aunt
2: I don't think so In Enterprise, the three-part Vulcan episode where we see a lot of the Vulcan desert. And Archer is looking for that, the Kirshara, and he has, like, he finds the pyramid thing that has the teachings of Sorak in it. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're also hunting a person, and it's a lady, and it's not T'Pol's mom. There's another woman in this episode.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Has like She has, like, kind of fuzzy red hair. Yeah. And she's very she's very like aggressive and they I think they're accusing her of being a terrorist. Like Archer knows her
1: as being a terrorist. Oh a terror. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the Pow. It's the same person. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I recognized her name and I just could not place where uh she was prominently from. I honestly did think she was related to to Paul. Yeah. Um, Here's a picture of her, just so you can refresh your memory. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember. Interesting. Yeah. So that's her.
2: It's the same character. Not the same actor, obviously, but... Yeah, right. Same same character.
1: Well, that is... That's cool. So, like, after that, she she goes on to be a pretty prominent part of... uh
2: She becomes, like, a pretty famous person on Vulcan, and then yeah. doesn't have anything to do with the Federation. Like, she purposely stays with the Vulcans. Like, that's the point of Kirk saying that, like, oh, she's the only person to be like, hey, we think you're somebody who should be on the Federation Council, and she was like, that's okay, no thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, That automatically makes her, like, somebody that you like.
2: Yep. I thought you would like that, because, like, when you are watching that episode, they're just people and names, and it doesn't really matter, but, like, as right. viewers, as somebody who's seen this episode, you're like, oh, really? That's the Pow? Like, that's cool, because... This is the only time you see her in the
1: original series. Is like this. That is know, this cool. Person. Yeah, it shows that she had a pretty pretty good future after uh, Archer. Yeah, it's interesting that Enterprise goes so deeply in to that kind of stuff about like Vulcans being the bad guys and mm-hmm. their teachings are wrong because they are like not reading all of the teachings and right 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 like that's a pretty interesting place to like go well
2: the thing that they taught I've I've they've talked about a lot with enterprises you know okay 20 2063 they made contact with humans and we had seen that like they we we see yeah. that stuff so now you're gonna make a show in twenty one fifty one and it's like why in you know eighty eight years has why is humanity not, in almost hundred years, not left? Like, why are they not exploring space? Gotcha. And it's like, well, yeah. the way we can do that is, um, you know, because we don't want to live in a world where you're doing like they want to have the first like warp ship that can actually have like a warp five engine, right? Because if you gave mm. if the first ship they were exploring in is a warp one or a warp two engine, like they're it would take them. You know, season one of Enterprise would be like, "Cool, we saw this planet that's like just barely outside of our solar system." Yeah, right. Right. That's cool. So they knew that they had to make like a faster, brighter engine so that they could explore, you know, farther away places. And it still takes a long time, but not as long. So it's like, well, how do you how do you explain that uh, them being held back? It's like, well, just make the Vulcans basically hold them back. So now you write the Vulcans to be kind of like jerks in a way. yeah. But then you think about it as the show was wrapping up and they knew they were getting canceled, it's like, well, you can't leave um... Oh man, whatever the heck his name is. The main Vulcan guy, and I can't think of his name. Oh yeah. Blanking on it, but um... You can't like leave these characters and like him as like these like jerks because like the next thing coming down the line because there was no strange new worlds or discovery is the original series and it's like spock isn't like these guys at all he's super cool he's like really understanding it's like yeah he's he's very much like oh human emotions that's weird but that's just like 60s writing yeah but other than that he's like he's nice he's not judgmental he's not mean he's not whatever so this Manny Kodo guy came into season four and like basically made all that stuff made sense. He came in and was like, Oh, how do we bridge the gap between Spock and these Vulcans? It's like, well, the reason yeah. why the Vulcans were jerks is they didn't have all the teachings of Siroc, and the way to get them closer to Spock is give them the teachings of Sarak, and now they'll they'll like become more mellow and more understanding.
1: Yeah. And that that main chancellor guy that you're talking about, like, yeah. I like that. I like him at the end. Yeah, yeah. Being like, oh, I've actually always really had like a fondness for humans. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. had to like, you know. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff.
2: Okay, both Kirk and McCoy correctly guessed that Stan is Dupree's actual choice, and would be chosen next should Kirk decline. Fearing Spock, in his current condition, is now too weak to fight Stan, Kirk agrees to the challenge. It is only then Kirk is informed that this is to be a fight to the death and is given a lerpa.
1: It's interesting, because of this time frame, the, like, twist, I'm sure, really took the audience, like, off guard. But, like, it's very obvious.
2: Oh, <laughs>
1: Yeah like, in our time frame now that, like, they're gonna be like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, do this from a friend, and well, I'll be back mm-hmm. on the ship, and I'll we'll be drinking martinis by lunch, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's to the death. And it's like, it's to the what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but I like that. I like, the, you know, you can see that coming as, like, a modern viewer, but you totally it can. still makes it good, yeah.
2: Plus, it's also, like, hard to get away from the fact that, like, you know, that Kirk and Spock fight each other,
1: fight each other, yeah. Right, it's like right, super,
2: right. it's like, it's like the Gorn. It's yeah. like the second you get the hint that, like, oh, that's a Gorn ship, you're like, well, okay, well, he's Kirk and the Gorner on the planet fighting. Like, it's so popular that it's hard yeah. to, like, not yeah. know, you know. That that's
1: coming, yeah. You know what's going on. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that they were like, oh, well, Kirk he is Spock's too weak in his current state. It's like, why would he be weak? Why would this make him weak? Why wouldn't this make him like just a like ravaging a maniac? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I agree. He's comparing it to like salmon spawning and like animal stuff, and it's like, well, in the animal kingdom, you know, to like stay away from like moose and right, right stuff like when they're when they're spawning, you know, like when they're right when they're about to mate, right? Because they're like insane and they'll just kill stuff, just you know. Just to, yeah, because they're just, just to out do of it. their mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, Spock. He's he's weak. He's too. Yeah, I can't think straight.
2: Mm. <laughs> can't. It was pretty good. I mean, Leonard Nimoy did a really good job of like, quote unquote, like rolling his eyes in the back of his head when he was over there. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. was like, oh geez.
1: I like how the whole time he was like, stuff was happening. He's just like, I have to kill him. I have to kill him. He's my friend. <laughs> Anguish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Never apart. Never but. alone. <laughs> Touching and untouching. <laughs>
2: yep. So this is this is where we'll give some uh trivia for, for Caleb and the other fans. So as the first ever Star Trek episode to feature any Vulcan characters other than Spock, this episode introduced several important elements of Vulcan culture. Besides establishing the concept of Ponfar, it also marked the first use of the Vulcan salute and of the words, live long and prosper. Live long and
1: prosper. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I Um, thought so. I I was like, this has got to be the first use of these these things.
2: So super crazy. I, re- I went and read about it last night because I think I heard it in an interview or something. I read it once. And so then I went and like tried to confirm it. And then I went even on the Internet and tried to confirm, like triple confirm it. And it's right. It's yeah. a, it's 100% correct. It's it's, it's going to super blow your mind, but it's, it's interesting. So I'll tell you. I'll read it here. It mm-hmm. says the Vulcan salute was devised by Leonard Nimoy based on a gesture made by various Jewish denominations, including Orthodox and Conservative. what? The gesture actually forms the Hebrew letter Shin, I'm probably saying that wrong, but, and represents the honorific title Shaddai, which means Almighty God. The hand gesture is traditionally used by the Konanim, which are... I'm saying all these things wrong, but they're basically Hebrew priests. (laughs) Jews of priestly descent during a blessing ceremony performed during the prayer service of certain Jewish holy days. The Jewish blessing is done with both hands with arms extended upward at roughly a 45 degree angle rather than one hand held upright as in the Vulcan salute. Nimoy learned the gesture which takes practice to do from visiting his grandfather's synagogue as a child and he says in the video uh, William Shatner Leonard McCoy the 25 year mission he states Nimoy states it took me years of diligent practice and self-denial to be able to do that so then I went out on the internet and it's literally and it's crazy because like I grew up watching Star Trek so I don't see it as a Jewish thing but -hmm. there are literally like Hebrew letters with the Star of David and like hands like this Uh, on like wow on their imagery and it's crazy interesting
1: it's super interesting i never i never knew that
2: yeah and i didn't either i mean i had heard it was possibly a thing but i never like really super went into it until last night because i knew this was like the first time it shows up in the show
1: it's really cool that like leonard is the one that's responsible for that
2: yeah He went on to say that the Live Long and Prosper was written in the script, like Theodore Sturgeon wrote that, so that wasn't from him, but the hand gesture totally is.
1: That's cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, pretty crazy. I've always wondered, I have Jewish relatives, so I've always wondered, like, is this offensive to Jewish people? That, like, that hand signal is no longer viewed as, like, Judaism, it's all (laughs) Star Trek related? Or do they like it? because you know it's getting more eyes on like stuff that deals with the Jewish beliefs. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard it's a hard it's a hard thing to really know. But anyways, yeah. Thought you'd like that.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. I, I thought I thought Leonard was was uh, I think he's Jewish. Yeah, I, think, I don't know if he I don't know
2: if he was like practicing or believed in the Jewish faith, but I definitely think he was raised Jewish. But his family definitely
1: was, yeah.
2: Yeah. It also establishes the trend uh, among almost all female Vulcans to have a name beginning with a T and an apostrophe. So to Pring, to Pow, to Paul, like they're all, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's fun. Also, it's a kind of a callback to the the last episode we watched of Season 1, Operation Annihilate. Kirk at Mm -hmm. one point says to Spock, you have been called the best first officer in the fleet. And McCoy
1: is the one who said that. Remember, he says, don't tell him I said that. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, so let me know, like, if I'm going to have to find a new one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It says this episode was originally pitched for the
2: first season, and NBC was quite adamant about putting it into production as soon as possible. Spock was by far the most popular character among audiences. And viewers were eager to get to know more about his cultural background. However, as Sturgeon was known for his extremely slow and cumbersome writing process, the production staff shelved the muck time for
1: early second season. I think that's probably better.
2: Yeah, for the I, season. I think,
1: I think this is a little bit too too much for like if so. If you were watching like a modern TV show and. Mm -hmm. You have this like crazy backstory about like okay, this is what these people do. This is like their thing. You're like okay, this is this is weird. Like this is just too yeah. I agree. Much
2: you know too too much at one time. I also think okay, you just had season one. Like this show gets canceled at season three, right? Like nobody like the NBC cancels it. But to me, if Spock is the most popular character out there that the show is offering, like what a great season one opening like look at this crazy stuff that spock is getting into and like look at his yeah. background and he has a oh, wife yeah. and all this stuff and it's like yes it is the fifth episode that they filmed but still like to open season two with this is like this gets you hooked like i'm definitely watching season episode two after this Absolutely. yeah, i think that's a good call it says in sturgeon's original script stan was named spore which Robert Justman felt was a little <laughs> too much of a Freudian slip, and the character's name was changed. Four. uh James Dewin, Scotty, he doesn't appear in this episode, though Spock nope. mentions him, right? They said that the actress who played uh, Topring, Arlene Martel, she was considered to be uh, Dr. Denner, uh, where no man has gone before, the one who gets the eyeball oh, yeah. things, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh she turned the offer down because she felt wearing silver contact lenses would
1: damage her sensitive eyes. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can imagine that. Yeah. It's a good call.
2: But they liked her for this. Um Lawrence uh I'm gonna mess up his name, but his name is Lawrence Montanagan. Montagan. Uh he he's plays Stan and he previously appeared as the Roman Decius in balance of terror he was the guy huh. who, he wasn't the old he wasn't the old guy that died and he wasn't the leader he was like one of the guys in the background who like talks to the commander
1: oh okay um, that's the thing too we didn't talk about that I thought was very interesting hmm. is this is like probably the first and only time I've ever seen like Vulcans in like full like battle armor yeah. Like their helmets and their yeah, like all like, that ceremonial stuff, and like that thing
2: over the guy's mouth, right? Like the
1: weird, like, yeah, the big mask. like peak, peak, yeah, thing. yeah. And their little phone, their uh, oil helmets and stuff. That was pretty, yeah,
2: weird. yeah. Uh, it says according to Leonard Nimoy, uh, Celia uh, Lovsky, who played to Powell. Couldn't actually do the Vulcan salute naturally. So she had to use her other hand to put her fingers in the right pattern below camera and then hold it up at the right moment. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't do it.
2: Yeah, I guess William Shatner can't either. That's like the big joke.
1: Perfect. Yeah, take it's like dexterity or whatever, but yeah. They could have just put a little bit of like um you know, like tack, tack glue mm-hmm. or like finger fingers together, you know. I guess somewhere... It's your, I... it's your pinky. If you can't... I can't yeah. get my pinky. Yeah. Well, you could have just glued these two fingers together for... Yeah.
2: I guess somewhere I read, but I, I don't know how true it is, is like in one of the movies that, to get Shatner to do it right. They like used fishing wire to like pull his fingers apart. I don't know how true that is, but yeah. That's,
1: uh, that's awesome. It's so funny that it's Shatner too, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: It'd be worse if it was Leonard Nimoy, but at least he can do it.
1: Well, if he's the one that invented it, then it makes sense that he's the one that can do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, here's your thing. Romulan helmets were reused. So, that's
1: what they were. They were painted differently. I thought so. I thought they yep. looked very familiar. Yep. That even and makes that... it even more weird that, like, so what's the deal with the Romulans? Why, why are they, like... The same as mm. Vulcans, but different. Why? What's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting. There's interesting. Something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It says the fight music for this episode was reused in a number of second season episodes. And yeah, it, be- it became one of the most memorable themes of the show. And so the guy who did it, Gerald uh, Fried, he said he became aware of the popularity of his theme when he began getting royalty checks from its usage in The Simpsons.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. Good for him. Remember they do it in Cable Guy? They do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the whole
2: fight scene at the, what do they call it? Um, the medieval knight thing? Yeah, medieval knights, yeah. Like, the whole thing is that <laughs> yeah.
0: scene, basically.
2: Yeah. Na, 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 na. He's like hitting him. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like he's he just keeps. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, and so I, I'm sure you skipped it because you know you, you. know, that's what everybody does. But it is. We did get a new. There's a new intro. It's slightly I different. Th- I saw it. Oh, you did. No, oh, okay. It. Yeah.
0: Cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw. It. So now we get Star Trek. And it moves up and it says created by Gene Roddenberry instead of just Star Trek across the thing. Yeah. Also, DeForest Kelly's name is added. So in the first season, oh. it was just it was just Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. and now McCoy is.
1: Interesting. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, a pretty main character, I'd say.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. So the only thing I thought was kind of like I wish that there was more kind co- like um tie-in. Is like each of uh clearly the like sashes that they were put that they put on Spock and a couple of the other guards are like wearing. Yeah. Were like those Romulan like uh over the shoulder things that they had in that episode. Oh, yeah. It looked very similar. But they were all different colors, and I kinda wished that they tied into with each other. That like okay, Spock is wearing like a purple sash. So that means he's the whatever of the Kunit Khalifi. Or the Kali yeah. part of it, and like the Kale-ma. other Kali yeah, Kali The other, <laughs> and like the other guys had like different sashes because they were like guards, but they all had different colors. And I was like, I wish some of it tied in better. should that's okay. gave Kirk one. Yeah, that's true. Okay, the fight begins, and Spock quickly demonstrates physical superiority. However, Kirk survives the first round. McCoy objects to Pal that Kirk isn't used. To Vulcan atmosphere and climate. He asks permission to in- inject the captain with a triox compound to compensate. The POW agrees, and Kirk is given the injection. So the scene happens where she's like, Okay, if you keep talking about this, like she she threatens to kill McCoy like, yeah. with the guy, and and she's like, There will be no more interruptions and all this stuff. And then she holds she, you know, for whatever reason, like stops it from proceeding even though, like, nothing really happened. It was just... They were just still fighting. And then Mokoi comes up, and he's like, let me do this thing. And I was just like... It's mm-hmm. a funny thing that she's like, there will be no interference. I'm interfering. And then Mokoi's like, can I interfere? And she's like, yes. You may, yeah. <laughs> that
1: just made me laugh.
2: Did you uh, did you think when he gives him the thing that it was not what he was giving him?
1: Uh, I did. I had a, I had a pretty good... It- you know, notion that it wasn't something to help him fight. It was going to be something else, you know, some kind of. Yeah. It's a pretty big risk he took, though. For Andy Right, because <laughs> yeah, he, he would have, like, Kirk kind of, like, passed out and then Spock just bashed his head in with that spear
0: thing, you know, then yeah, what?
1: Yeah. Or like just burnt, like smashed his head
2: into the coals, right? Like just like third degree. They've done, done a <laughs> lot. Could have done a lot. Did you like uh, McCoy's little like flip down like pouch thing on his hip when
1: he pulls up? Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. That was cool. But yeah, this is, I, this is how I carry this serum everywhere I go.
2: Everywhere I go, <laughs> this uh, this paralyzer that uh, simulates death. You know, like. Oh, you just have that on you, McCoy, when you were going down to a Vulcan ceremony with your friend Spock. Like, okay, weird, but it's the same okay, thing. Yeah. That, it's the weird same flex, thing, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. When uh, Bill Murray, when Peter Venkman shows up to Dana Barrett's her apartment to go yeah. on a date, and then he called after he finds out she's Zool, and he he's dealing with it, and he calls Ray, and he's like, "Hey, we uh, I got a problem over here at the apartment with Dana." He's like, I had to give her like 100 cc's of Thorazine or whatever he calls it. And
1: yeah. it's like,
2: where did you, why did you bring that to her apartment? Why did you bring <laughs> like sedatives, like heavy sedatives to her
1: apartment? Yeah, that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird thing.
2: <laughs> it's a weird thing. And I know yeah. it's probably not, I don't think the movie and or the anything is suggesting anything. But it's also just like, it's strange.
1: Yeah, that's weird. <laughs>
2: It's uh, weird. I mean, it, it, may, it yeah. makes a lot
1: more sense from, like, McCoy to have than, <laughs> But it's still Peter pretty Rankin. weird
2: for him to have, like, a simulating death
1: uh, I, I am like, under the interpretation that his since this is, like, the future Yeah I'm under the interpretation that his like, needle thing you can, like, choose what you're injecting
2: well, to a degree, uh, basically what it is, is uh, the idea is it's a hypospray, so instead of actually piercing your skin, it, it like forces the molecules through your skin and through the cloth, if he's pushing it through a shirt or a tunic or whatever, yeah. and it pushes all the molecules into your bloodstream. So it doesn't pierce the skin like a normal needle does now, it like pushes through the skin and the membranes and the shirt and stuff. So that's what the hypo spray just does, period. But what he has to still do is put like medicine inside of it. He still has to do the thing that everybody does. They do it in all Star Trek, where even the, like the super future ones from like Next Gen and like Deep Space Nine. It's a thing. That's what it does. But to then load it. You have to load the medicine into it, the compound.
1: So that's what I mean. I, he he could have he could have had, you know, three or four different. Thing. Like, uh, he's a doctor, so I would assume he would he would be carrying, you know, four or five different things that he has to, like, inject.
2: I agree, I agree. But you have to admit that...
1: They don't specifically show him, like, take... If they showed him taking the needle over to Kirk and, like, putting a different, like, tube inside the needle... Yeah. Then you would have... Yeah, you would have. would have made me. a little bit more sense. I think it's just funny... It's <laughs> just funny that he brought, like,
2: a neural paralyzer down to the planet. It's like, I don't know. I get maybe it's like a
1: defense thing, but like at the same time, he's
2: on Vulcan. There's a lot of like context there that you're like, why did yeah. you have
1: this? It's funny. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's... it's a plot device for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: So during the fight, Spock apparently strangles Kirk to death and McCoy accompanies the captain's body back to the Enterprise. Spock, his mating urges apparently subsiding, demands to know why Topring took Kirk as her champion. Topring reveals that she did not want to be the consort of a legend, as Spock had become to his people and instead desired Stan. She chose Kirk as her champion since every outcome she calculated was advantageous to her. If the human won, Kirk would not wish to keep her as his bride. While if Spock won, he would probably release her because she had challenged the marriage. And even if he had kept her, he would quickly return to space. In all cases, T'Pring would be free to have Stan. Complimenting her logic, Spock re- relinquishes pring to Stan, but advises him that having is not so pleasing a thing as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. Spock then returns to the Enterprise, expecting to face court-martial at the nearest starbase for the murder of his commanding officer. So he leaves. Yes. You get an off-screen beam-up so they don't gotta pay money. And yeah, right. Then you have this whole thing with DePring. And I, I liked everything she said except for the very last thing. And I was like, that paints her as literally like an awful, awful individual. Oh yeah. Yeah, she's a terrible person. By her saying, like, okay, listen, I had Kirk do it so that he wouldn't want me. And I did it and and then by challenging it. You clearly wouldn't, you know, you would probably let me go. But to literally say, even if you still accepted me and um you know, you yeah. and you left, I'm like I'm still going to and she, you know, basically <laughs> implies like I'm I'm going like Stan is here, buddy. I'm gonna be sleeping with him like all the time. And that's just like,
1: wow, wow. Pretty good. Well, also, it's like she knows that the thing is like to the death. Yeah, yeah. So, so first of all, like, so if Stan did fight him, then you know, it's like you run the risk of him dying or Spock right. dying. It's like so you don't care about either of them, right? And then Kirk, it's like she she's bringing some outsider in into this that like, yeah, he can he can die. It doesn't matter.
2: Right. Right. <laughs>
1: Instead of like, you know, if she, like she said, like if she just went along with the ceremony and married Spock, she yeah. was just going to cheat on him anyway. So why wouldn't she just do that instead of like having the risk of like the guy that she wanted dying or like just murdering some unknown person. And she got yeah. really lucky that they came down to the planet with him. Right. What right, if they didn't right. come down to the planet? Right. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Pretty good. Yeah. So it paints her to be just an awful
2: like an awful, awful, awful
1: person. Yeah.
2: And it makes you wonder, like, now I'm curious because even though the show is timeline adjacent in my mind, it makes me wonder what are they gonna do in like season three with Taprang and stuff like that. Like how is this like they and they do it, they they are showing the separation, like the yeah. the strain on their relationship. But at the same time it
1: more like She doesn't like his human, his human side. He favors his human. Right.
2: Okay. Back on the ship, McCoy repeatedly attempts to explain something, but Spock cuts him off, continuing to speak of his guilt and its consequences. When he tells McCoy that Scott must take command of the Enterprise, Kirk comes in behind him and playfully asks, don't you think you'd better check with me first? Seeing Kirk alive, Spock betrays his joy by calling the captain Jim with a big smile which he quickly suppresses when he realizes that Chapel and McCoy have seen it. Kirk then reveals that McCoy did not give him a triox injection, but a neuroparalyzer to simulate death. Got to tell you that's the thing that I love. This is how this is what gets you, this is why people like Star Trek is you go through all this stuff where it's like it's over dramatic, it's very much like okay, Spock is mysterious for plot reasons, right? All this stuff you get down to the planet, like you said, like, it's very fortunate that Kirk and McCoy come down and uh, just all of this stuff is very safe. But then this gosh darn moment when he sees Kirk alive and he's like smiles, yeah. and, you know, like what it's such a more like, oh, geez, because like
1: for him to do <laughs> that,
2: it means his yeah. emotions of joy and happiness are like extremely high to the point where he can't fight it.
1: It like endears you to the character, yeah, like so much more, you know, right?
2: Like he's not just some soulless, heartless robot. Like he's in there. Like that guy is in there. He's just suppressing him.
1: Yeah, I really enjoy it. It, It's funny because, you know, sometimes we make fun of. You have this really heavy episode, and then the end is like, "So Spock, I saw when you were down there, you, (laughs) you really appreciated like flowers." Isn't have an emotion? But this <laughs> yeah. episode kind of does the same thing, but it's such a better, like, payoff. Oh, so much better. So much better for a payoff, yeah. It really is.
2: Yeah. In a
1: pig's eye. In a pig's <laughs> eye. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I like, I like seeing Spock's human side. I like him showing that, you know, he gets called you know heartless robot all the time but Yeah, it's like yeah. he's not he's no right right I yeah enjoy that also we didn't talk about it oh but when he go when he's like leave me alone <laughs> and he smashes the oh, computer yeah yeah that I about that, that yeah. was so good i love that yeah i forgot about it. Dad.
2: that was that was sick right like you had to, i forgot that this happens in the episode so that you could you could see how good they how good they make their um like their props and like yeah. their sets because when oh, yeah. he crumples that thing, you don't for one second think it's made
1: up of like whatever cardboard or paper mache or whatever it is. No, in fact, when he like when he punched it and it like crumpled <laughs> in like that, I was like genuinely like surprised. I was like, "Holy crap!" I I legitimately thought that was like yeah the hard because now that I've seen him in person, mm-hmm. it's literally right. just like a piece of plywood. It's a square, you know. It's yeah, a plywood box. And he walks over and he just bashes that. I was <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. He like good. really crumples it too. He like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's not messing around.
2: Okay. When asked about the final outcome of the marriage, Spock explains that when he thought he had killed Kirk, he no longer had any interest in to Kirk then receives a message from Starfleet retroactively granting him permission. To divert to Vulcan, apparently per to Pows
1: request. That's she pretty good. Came, She came through, yeah. So they did make an impression, you know. Yeah. Because I like that scene when, um, McCoy's like, "Kirk, you can't, you can't do this. You can't." I'm like, what? Are you oh, doing? He's, yeah. like, he's like, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna. He's like Spock's my friend, and I'm not gonna just like leave him hanging. And also, like, I'm not gonna make us look like weak idiots in front of. You know, the only woman who's ever <laughs> said, like, I don't give a crap about the Federation. Right. And so also it's like, he's doing this for his friend. And you can also see that it's like, this is why he's a captain. This is why he's in the Federation. Yeah. He, he takes it very seriously.
2: He also is like, we're number three of, you know, we're not, we're like, we'll be one of three ships there. Like, they're fine. Yeah. And yeah. like Spock has saved my life on countless occasions. Like, pretty yeah. sure I can divert him to a planet so that he yeah. doesn't die. Like,
1: I think it's Yeah, fine. he's like, I don't I don't really care about your show of force having like four ships there. I think you'll you will you will be fine. <laughs> Even to the point too, where where he's like, you know, I've I've dedicated my life to the Federation and I've risked my life several times, and I've I've always come through. Like I right. I think they're gonna understand. Like, and if they want to get rid of me, too bad. But, you know, oh, well. Yeah. It'll be their loss, basically. Like, I'm not going to just... I'm not going to give up on Spock. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I like that. I like how he sticks to his, you know... Yeah, he has, like, an actually good speech
2: to McCoy in that scene. Yeah. Sticks to his code. I like
1: that. Yeah.
2: All right, well that concludes our review of amok time, but before we end the episode, let's do the thing that everybody waits for. Caleb.
0: Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. Caleb.
2: So Caleb, who gets the Erica Ortega Award for being most unlikable?
1: To praying. Yeah. Yep. He's a real.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard because you, you know, when you think about it, like taking the strange new world component out of it, you yeah, think you to yourself,
1: to. well, yeah.
2: But you think to yourself, like, this is the woman that he was betrothed to as a child. And as a viewer of the 60s, you're like, oh, man, we're about to meet, like, Spock's potential wife, or at least his fiance." And mm-hmm. then she's, like, awful. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. This doesn't pay off the way I want now to. Now I do. feel
1: bad for Spock.
2: Right, yeah. Okay, who gets the Elizabeth Cutler Award for being most forgettable?
1: Let's do Scotty. Scotty's the most forgettable character. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Nothing needed to be fixed or nothing, you know? Nope.
2: Don't talk to say one line
1: about him, and that's it. Yep.
2: Yeah. So far, then we haven't. We have yet to have an episode with all OG characters in it. Like, even though we have off in it, no, Scotty.
1: Yeah. Right. Never gonna happen. <laughs> and all the women will never be together again.
2: Nope. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, who gets the Trip Tucker Award for being the
1: MVP? I think Kirk.
2: Yeah, good. Nice. I was thinking the same thing.
1: I mean he stepped up. I like I said, I really enjoyed his like speech to Enterprise, like telling him that yeah you know, it's not gonna do it, you know, being a friend to Spock and Yeah. Also Absolutely. making, you know, making the Enterprise look good in front of what's her name there, to to Pow. To Pow, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean honestly just more to your point, like, you know, he talks to that Admiral guy and the Admiral's like, well, why? And he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not telling you why. I'm just asking. And he, you know, he fights. He does it. He doesn't like balk at the thing. He fights Spock. He knows this is part of ceremony and he does it anyways. And I think one of the most, one of the, other than his speech that you talk about, his little, like, his talk to McCoy about like, too bad I'm doing it anyways. Yeah, I think one of the most other powerful scenes that he has that shows how much he cares and the friendship of him and Spock is when he's laying in bed. And you can tell he's oh, like contemplating. He yeah. And he goes, you know what? He doesn't say anything, but you can tell that he's thinking, Yeah, man, you know, like maybe we can get away with this. Like maybe I can still get him the Vulcan. And yeah, still... and it's not
1: like it's not like he's saying like, well, maybe we can make it. And he's he's literally saying like, hey, so if we divert right now, right? How late will we be? Like, how... right, Because right, he right. knows like, like how late will we be? Right. Already, and... like already taking the role of like, I'm just going to show up late to this thing because this is more important,
2: and right, I don't exactly
1: really care about it, you know. And
2: this was and that was before you know he learned that it was going to kill Spock that, you know, yeah. any of that stuff.
1: That it was just, just like, because of, like, friendship. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think that that, like, that alone is, like, a really powerful scene. It does end up, you know, revealing that Spock, like, you know, counter... The whole point of the scene is that he, he counter uh like, yeah he, he diverted the Vulcan without Kirk knowing, but I think it's, like, a really powerful scene to show, like, how strong their friendship is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. I like that. I like that scene. Okay, What gets the Shrine Award is the best action
1: sequence? The fight between yeah. and Spock is pretty is good. Is it when really his like, shirt
2: his shirt gets cut?
1: Yeah. And he slices right through his <laughs> nips.
2: But that's probably the best scene, so
1: I, you know. Yeah. It is the, well. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. I even appreciate how they like, put blood on there, you know, like that was. Yeah, crazy. yeah. Yeah.
2: It's pretty, it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool thing, and It's like, yeah, it's funny because he's got to get his shirt ripped. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of, it's, it gives a really good, like, oh, this, he, like, Spock means business. Like, this isn't, like, some sort of, like, ritual where you just got to, like, smash sticks together and you're done. It's like, no, he's trying to actually kill you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the way they could have done it is basically, like, you you make it seem like they both want to forfeit at, like, any time. Right, right, exactly, exactly, yeah. But Spock's not messing around. And and in fact, you know what's funny is it it kind of goes the opposite direction because like when they first kind of start the battle, Mm -hmm. they both kind of just like lock in, yeah, you know, and then they're like, oh, I don't know, and then all of a sudden it's like slice, and he's like, (laughs) oh, oh no, (laughs) 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 like, he means business, (laughs) like
2: oh, this isn't like oh, we're not just gonna kind of like push up on each other and like it's like oh. Yeah. Oh crap, like he's he's going for it,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like that. I like that, like, switch over to being like, oh boy, this is this this is actually bad.
2: And I like too that, like, Enterprise and other shows they deal with Vulcan being like hot and like different atmosphere. So I actually really like the payoff mm-hmm. too of Kirk, like, watching it in our the way we're doing it chronologically. I like the payoff that, like, it's hard for Kirk to breathe and exert himself and like. He's hot, yep. and they constantly are, like, wiping sweat away and stuff. I like that. that I do, too. too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can uh, tell, like, how heavy he's breathing when, like, McCoy goes over to give him that yeah, injection. Yeah, yeah. Like, Shatter does a really good job at, like,
2: selling. Like, he can't get... He's unable to take, like, a full breath. It's 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 good.
1: Yeah. I like how that whole, thing, like, while their paws, like, Spock, Spock's just standing there, too. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting. He's just waiting, you know? I'll kill him <laughs> as soon as you say the word. I gotta make one of those spears. A LARPA, yeah. yeah.
2: I did think about it when we made it. I said, uh-oh. I said, he's made a bat now <laughs> Now he's gonna make a Lurpa.
1: Well, I gotta make the giant uh, spear, too, from Galileo 7. Oh, wow, yeah. I just wanna make all these giant
2: I thought you said you. I thought you were gonna say you're gonna make that like the big like Vulcan gong thing that he hits. Oh, that
1: gong thing is pretty cool, isn't it? The yeah, it looks like it's made out like emerald or something.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his little like the hammer had like an emerald top to it, like a green top to it. Yeah, I like.
1: Speaking of that, I like the scene where he he gets like mad and he starts walking over to to, um to Pow and he's like holding the hammer. Oh uh huh. And he kinda like has this slow realization of like, okay, I need to put this hammer down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he yeah. has to like drop it, you know. Yeah. I think it's supposed
2: goes, to also indicate that like he's kind of like shocked that this is happening too. Yeah. Then he has to go over in the corner and collect his thoughts in the corner. He's hulking out, he's slowly becoming the Hulk and he can't. It's like no, no, no! Stay calm. Stay calm. Lower your heart rate. Lower your heart rate. Not again.
1: Not again. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. What gets the NX award for some sweet ship
1: stuff? I'm gonna go Spock's quarters. Yeah. I like, so like Spock's quarters.
2: You like the part that's like more dressed up with all like the like the figurines
1: and like stuff, like the other side of not where like yes. the computer desk is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, seeing that like, you know, colorful like bubble smoke machine. <laughs> yeah, stuff, yeah. And...
2: and he saw the loop, right? Him sitting in the chair with the, the loot,
1: Yeah, I really like seeing the loot. That was that was cool. So that's like the first time we've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I did. I really enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It's Spock's room is pretty cool.
1: Is that one that we saw on the tour? That wasn't that wasn't screen used, right?
2: I, that they say it's uh, I think when we when we went in, I think they say only two things are from the original series. And it's the it's the thing in the transfer room and the gold chest in Kirk's quarter. Okay. So I think
1: everything else is uh recreated. Reproduction. Yeah. 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 I remember the I remember the chest. And then, you know, it's funny is I was looking for it in this episode when Kirk's in his room. Oh, his yeah. But he's on the other side. So I don't know if yeah. it's there. It's like really only in that scene where he's on his computer. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, what gets the Porthos Award for being the cheesiest thing of the episode?
1: Chapel's wet face.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah. I wish it wasn't, but it is. It
1: was. It really was.
2: Yeah. I just I I don't know I don't know how to feel about it I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with it but it's just, it's just like always it's, when it's like it's so stupid
1: it's just always when they're like oh yeah that's right Spock doesn't have emotions right they do these weird sayings and it's like no but he
2: he does
1: like, not he, he doesn't outwardly show emotion but he knows what emotions are
2: right right it's like he's surrounded by him. humans yeah you know he's he's surrounded uh, by him
1: he's on a crew of humans he he would know what emotions are he he knows when he sees them like what what they are yeah he's not an idiot (laughs) it's like yeah i know and he's like very like read and studied and yeah exactly you know for him to be like oh your face is it's like leaking (laughs) yeah salt mineral (laughs) <laughs> fascinating. Anyway, could I have some more soup, please?
2: <clears throat> okay, and finally, what gets the enterprise award as the best scene of the episode? It's got to be the end
1: when Spock like smiles and grabs Jim. Uh, that's the best scene of the episode. Yeah.
2: That's a really good one. Yeah. That's probably yeah, you're probably right. It's probably the best scene. Yeah. yeah. I
1: wanted to say I wanted to say the shirt but yeah, yeah. I knew it would be a lie. <laughs> no, it is. Jim. It is funny too, like how Spock in that moment couldn't just give in for like a, a minute, right? Right. And be like, yeah, yeah, sh- you know, whatever. Shut up, you know.
2: Right, right, right. He's like,
1: hmm, no, I, I don't know, I don't know what happened. He, <laughs> I, <was like, laughs> I think, he,
2: I think he basically spends it like, well, yeah, it was the most logical response was thinking that he was dead like of course I had an outburst of emotion I
1: I have genuine surprise
2: yeah very good well go down to the comment section and write what you think of the episode let us know do you love this famous episode do you hear the combat music in your head too when two guys (laughs) are fighting (laughs)
0: do you hear
1: it (laughs) I always think the last time you had a wet face
2: Yeah, let us know. All right, next week we're going to get into another powerhouse of an episode, The Doomsday Machine. Ooh. It's a good one. Don't miss it, folks. So if you like the episode like it if you dislike it dislike it share it with all your friends and family and trek enthusiasts subscribe so you don't miss an episode and ring that bell for notifications so that you can notifications. catch notifications when it the notifications comes out of the, lost. <laughs> <laughs> of the
0: lost
2: yeah when it comes out typically every sunday as always you can go over to Caleb's channel start at the beginning Two Toms. Yep. Press play. Don't stop.
1: And just Keep walk going. away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh
2: yeah, he's he's uh currently he's done um he just put out a Pokemon uh another Pokemon video where he's painting nice. all original hundred and fifty one
1: Pokemon. Yep, I nice. finally made it to thirty. So getting getting there. Yeah. They're not my most popular videos, but
2: um, yeah, they're fun. They're cool, they're know? cool. He makes little like uh, areas where they stand on. He makes it like thematic to the Pokemon,
1: and they're cool. yeah, they're little little diorama like little diorama thing. Yeah, they're, they're fun. I yeah. like them.
2: Yeah, he's also got well, Star Trek
1: I'm... stuff on there. We
2: we talk about it a lot. He's got phasers and batless and stuff like that. So. Always oh, go over there. And I think in like a, a week and a couple days from now, our other podcast of Dragon Ball will be out. Mm-hmm. Talk about Dragon Ball. So gotta catch look, them all. Gotta look forward to that. We we uh speaking of dealing with the commander catching blue,
1: them all. blue saga, I think is what we're on. But yeah. Very good. You gotta find them all. Yeah, uh, Pokemon you gotta Find catch those them all. Dragon Balls. Gotta mm-hmm. catch them all.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. All right.
2: Thanks for watching the Retrek review. All right, computer. end program. See you guys. The Retrek review is a Daystrom holodeck podcast produced in association with the Plastic Underground Props, hosted by Caleb Stoddard and Will Wilbur, edited by Will Wilbur. Our intro song is by Kaylee Joy Rookledge. Our theme song is by Samos Studios. And our outro song is by Tommy T. Title card art created by Caleb Stoddard. Trophy art created by Adri Wilbur of Love by the Letters. Synopsis and written plot provided by memory-alpha.fandom.com. Star Trek is created by Gene Roddenberry and all official clips and pitchers are owned by Paramount Pictures. You can follow us at the Plastic Underground Props and the Daystrom Holodeck on Instagram and on YouTube. Thanks for watching.